Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commutes. I'm Aaron Stump, out and about on a Saturday, and wanted to talk uh, about module systems with you a bit more. And what I wanted to do is kind of talk about this, some of what we've seen in the module systems we've considered. And I have a few odds and eds kind of comments I want to make about module systems that I've seen as well. So we've looked at so far Haskell's module system, um, standard models in particular OCamels, although honestly we didn't look close enough to sort of see the differences that show up in OCamels versus other versions of um, module systems for ML. Uh, and then we also talked about Agdas, which I argued was kind of in between Haskell's and um, standard MLs. And so um, I think one thing we've seen is that uh, the, the module system of standard ML we saw was, you know, the most complicated. And partly because it's essentially trying to layer, it's trying to address a bunch of problems that could possibly be addressed with dependent types to some extent. But it's trying to layer this on top of a non-dependently typed language. So, um, you know, so to some degree, the situation in a language like Agda, which has dependent types, maybe takes some of the pressure off the module system. Because some of the things you can do, like, uh, for example, the sort of idea that we can have uh, information hiding, um, we could do that. Well, in fact, the standard ML uh, papers, I was reading also chapter one of Derek Dreyer's dissertation, which I can recommend as um, a very nice comparison and discussion about standard ML module system, at least as of that time, which is a little bit in the past now. Uh, but uh, they, he mentions that um, existential types were proposed for information hiding by Mitchell and others, um, John Mitchell. And the, that certainly makes sense. Like, you want to say kind of, um, you know, if you want to hide some information, you're trying to say, well, there exists this thing that has some properties. Like, there exists a type T such that we have, you know, insert and look up and, and some functions on some data structure that, that is represented by T. Um, so the ability to hide information, and, in, in, you know, in logic and basic reasoning, we, we use existentials to hide information. I say there exists something, and I don't necessarily tell you what it is when I make that existential statement. And some of the problems that show up in uh, that the standard ML module system research literature is addressing are partly due to the, the intricacies of existentials. And so existential types um, coming from, we basically have a problem in logic, which is the, how existentials and also disjunctions should be treated in natural deduction. And I mentioned in some earlier episode, I actually have an idea on how to fix this problem, um, but it's not ready for primetime uh, dissemination yet. So uh, but basically, when you have, um, when you know that there exists an X such that some property holds of X, we don't really have a way to just say, oh, okay, well, let me just start using that X and let me use the fact that it has this property. We can't kind of project out of the existential. Um, we can't say, like, if I have a proof of, their, of an existential, I can't say, okay, let me access 
the witness component of that proof. And then let me access, you know, that would be like the, 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 the thing that has the property. And let me access the proof that it has that property in a direct way. We have to do it in a kind of indirect way, which leads to a bunch of problems. And some of those problems show up in the standard ML uh, module design uh, problem. So, so I think one reason that SML's module system is so complicated is that it's basically trying to solve a bunch of pretty difficult problems and um, their problem is in basically like type theory dependently type programming language design. So that's a, boy, that's a big one to chew off. I don't, yeah, and, and, and if you have a dependently type programming language, I guess you'd really have to scratch your head hard about, do I, why would I need to solve those problems myself? Because shouldn't my programming language, like the, that module language is sitting on top of the programming language. Shouldn't my programming language let me solve a lot of those problems already if I have dependent types? So um, anyway, so that, that was kind of one point I wanted to make. So that's kind of a little bit of an argument that if you're, depending on what kind of language your, your programming language is that you're designing, it might make sense to have a, a not so fancy module system. Now I was looking at Cox module system a little bit and it seems to be as fancier as standard amounts or fancier, which is alarming and, <laughs> and goes, seems to go against what I was just saying. So um, whether that's from a different philosophical perspective on the, the matter or what, uh, I mean, I'm sure the people working on that have thought about that point, but um, yeah, so I don't, I can't really explain why that would be. Uh, I did, one thing I wanted to share with you is I did sniff around for other languages with interesting module designs, and um, honestly, I'm not coming up with too much. <laughs> I didn't come up with a lot. A lot of things have basically are, you know, namespace management, and there's a lot of stuff that's pretty similar to what we saw for, um, you know, Haskell's or, or Agda's. Like, I'm, I'm importing this module. I want to use these names from that module only. I want to rename some names. Um, you know, I'm exporting some names from my module. All that kind of stuff. Um, I looked, I took a little peek at Clojure's module system. I don't know very much about Clojure. Um, a Lisp-like language that compiles to the JVM. Um, yeah, it, it's... <laughs> uh, I don't want to offend closure fans but yeah that's that doesn't sound like the right project to me although it's a it's a valiant experiment if you're a diehard lisper then that sounds like a pretty cool idea um but i i'm not i'm not a big lisp fan of lisp so uh except for its sort of historical role in pioneering functional programming that was that was good uh so um Let's see, Java, I looked in Java 9, and they, it said, I saw, happened to see online, oh, Java 9 adds modules. I was kind of, oh, wow, that's cool. Kind of, wait, I thought they had packages. Oh, modules are some kind of organizational structure on top of packages. At that point, I just shook my head in despair and disbelief and didn't, <laughs> didn't go too much further. But there's some way in Java 9 to express some meta program, meta data about the organization of your packages, that all these packages and some other resources are all grouped together and they depend on some other big groupings of big packages. It's kind of, and then um, here we go in Java 17 with meta modules. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think your module system shouldn't need another layer of um, technology to organize groups of things on top of it. If it does, something's going wrong. So, <laughs> so sorry, Java 9. I don't think that's, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, I may be ignorant of good engineering reasons why they did that, but 
Uh, let's see. So, um, yeah, and I think the last thing I'm still scratching my head on is sort of the nature of a name. And so if we're going to say we're going to kind of back off module systems as this sort of like super tool for all these kind of uh, things, information, I mean, fancy forms of information hiding and exposure and blah, blah, blah. If we're just really worried about kind of namespace management, which as we've seen does provide some information hiding capabilities, then what what's a name and how should these things, how should our names sort of be organized and work? And the thing I'm sort of leaning towards right now for my own module design work and efforts is that um, it'd be nice if, I think a simplifying organization would be when you're implementing these things, you run immediately into the problem of kind of like, I've got these names, like, okay, I need to look them up and I need to keep track, which you're not going to get away from that. I need to keep track of what this name refers to, the fact that several names refer to the same entity. Um, uh, you know, in some cases, I may need to get the qualified name for some unqualified name. So um, it gets a little bewildering. And I th what I'm leaning towards right now is thinking about like, when I have a piece of code, um, I really just want some way to access, there has to be some way to access the entities that I, I want to be accessed in some module. And so if we're doing like a graph-based version of our language, we just are so like, well, what's the you know root of that graph? Like what's the entry point to that graph? And then I want to connect that to some other things. We don't program graphically generally. So um, instead of sort of just having an edge represented in some way. I mean, the name is basically representing an edge. But we just need some kind of master name or like true name. Wasn't that in Tolkien or something like the true name of something? I mean, a lot of fantasy has, I think, this kind of idea that some something has a true name. That's like, it's real, real name. And every other way of referring to that thing is like a nickname or some other kind of name that you use, an everyday name or whatever it is. And so that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. Is like when I've got, when I'm processing a module, I want to and I have some names in that module, those names, I mean, like the simplest version would be that whenever you define something, you must list its entire true name, which would be like its fully qualified module path and then the name you've chosen. Of course, you don't really want to do that. That would be really verbose. So you just want to pick a new name, but you want to understand that what you're really adding is you're designating a true name for this entity. And then when you do imports, you are basically just giving another module um, a name to... Uh, like a nickname for that entity that will that will sort of reference the entity um, with its true name. So so if you need to compare names for cool ones, you just see like what's the true name for both of these things, and then just ask if those are the same, um, and that sort of thing. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about right now personally for this. Um, so anyway, uh, that's all the time I got right now. And um, thanks for listening. I'm not really sure if I'm going to continue talking about modules. As I said, I'm kind of coming up with a blank. If you know a language with a totally different out there angle on modules, please let me know because I sort of sniffed around to see about some other stuff to think about and talk about with you. And I wasn't coming up with much that was getting me um, too excited as being terribly you know, interesting or innovative over and above the basic stuff we've seen. So, um, so anyway, if you think of something like that, shoot me an email. Otherwise, I will probably scratch my head and think of something else to talk about for a bit. Or you can let me know what do you think I should talk about. All right. Thanks again for listening. Hope you're well wherever you are. Take care.